Welcome to the podcast of the Urban Mystic. In season three, we explore the tension between faith and experience and tease this out as a distinction between faith and relationship. This dovetails well with our value for intimacy with God and encourages us to explore what we can expect a relationship with God to mean for individuals and communities intentionally practicing the presence of God. This week and next, we're joined by Michael Ford, author of The Sixth Solar. In last week's episode, we got to know Michael by diving into his early experience of God and uh, got into some of his early thoughts. And this week's episode is the last part of that conversation, and I really hope that you enjoy listening to this conversation as much as we enjoyed having it. The language of the Holy Spirit, the language of being born again, again, it's got currency within our context. I remember the first <laughs> the first time I heard someone uh uh, like like speaking about it who wasn't one of the born again people basically trying to get everyone to be born again was this 80 year old guy named norman that i knew and i remember uh, having coffee with him the one day and he he said these born again people are all crazy i mean they've got books in every room of their house including the kitchen and it doesn't have any recipes in it aside from fish and chips <laughs> <laughs> and he he was really putting his finger on something and that that, that statement and that, that experience stuck with me because I find so often people talk the spirit, but they point to the Bible. So these these acts of God and God being alive are recalled stories. And when it comes to where and how is the spirit alive and active today, what are those current stories? I feel like there's a bit of a gap there. And the gap is the present ongoing stories. The, the book of Acts is not the Acts of the Apostles, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit in continuation of the ministry of Jesus in that sense. But we don't necessarily experience that by and large today. By and large today, if you experience Christianity, you're not experiencing a vibrant, active, present God as a person who's drawn near to speak and act. You're predominantly going to a meeting or going to an event and 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 failing that for your own spirituality you've been given a book and been told read this and put into practice in your life somewhere in there is the frustration that comes about and at the same time the point of discovery and of relational engagement with god and, and i feel like i'd love to to almost just dive into that and 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 push towards that you know what what are some of those ongoing experiences you know if you look back to when you were 16 and you have the the light bulb coming on moment between head and hearts is usually the language that most people use you know just on the phone there but then what are the equivalents if if you read the book of acts you see a lot of encounters that are quite that we look back to visions happen angelic visitations the dead get raised people get healed You've got people like Paul saying things like, you know, preaching isn't just with wise and persuasive words, it's with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. But if you fast forward to our context today, that's what we're left with. We're left with scripture, reflection on scripture, and wisdom for living. And that's that's where my frustration comes into the picture, because the, the language of going, well, the Spirit is always there, is in a sense going, there is no distinct period you know, and I'm not necessarily saying that you're saying that, but I, I do know many people that do. They they will talk the language of the Holy Spirit, but they'll go, well, you know, you were you were born into the church, baptized as an infant, professed faith at confession. You've always had the Spirit. There's no distinct experience. And then there's other people who point to these particular events and happenings and go, here's where God met me. Here's where God spoke to me. Hearing from God directly and immediately is an important part of my life and my practice. It's a lot to throw out there, but I'd, I'd love to hear just some of your thoughts and experiences along those lines. 
Yeah, there's so many ways, directions to go with that. I love it. One of the early thoughts I had was Acts chapter, I love Acts chapter 18 and 19. And in fact, because we were doing this series on unleashing of the gospel, not the spirit, which I didn't like, I mentioned to my wife, I said, watch, watch what happens when we get to Acts, the end of chapter 18, and it's about Apollos, and he teaches accurately about Jesus. And that's basically, Apollos is a, described as a great orator, speaker, and he was very, you know, he taught accurately about Jesus. And then Priscilla and Aquila pull him aside, and, you know, there's an assumption that they probably told him about the way more accurately or, you know, about the Holy Spirit. And then the beginning of chapter 19, Paul runs into some of these Apollos disciples and says, hey, did you, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And the answer was, well, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And, and, and so that's not preached. You know, it was right there in the text. And so many of these teachers love to say that they exegete the scriptures and they're complete and they go into detail. But I'm sitting in this church and I'm laughing because they're like, Oh, that was a nice way of just brushing over that. Because I do feel that actually what you were describing when people said, well, if someone went to a, a leader and says, I don't, do I have the Holy Spirit? And they say, oh yeah, you were baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So yeah, you got the Holy Spirit. But there, there's that's not a good, I don't think that's a sufficient response because uh, I look at Acts 18 and 19, and I'm like, well, no, there is something more. And you really, we need to understand the Holy Spirit. So how do I, Michael Ward, do that? And it's like, to me, it's like, I think somebody calls it the practicing the presence of God. And there's, I don't know, there's Henry Blackaby or some, all these things. But I, I don't like Henry. <laughs> Again, you can imagine, I don't like a lot of things. But I, the, because I don't like the man cards and the, the formulaic instructions. And so I'm trying to have this experience myself. So today, you know, today, for example, I go have breakfast somewhere. I'm like, God's present with me. I'm like, I'm not going to be like, you know, a, a crazy person, but every human being I meet isn't, is just, it's not an opportunity to sell them something, but it's a, it's an opportunity for me to walk in the spirit and display love. And I'm kind of going back to my grocery store experience and of just being a loving person. And the concept that every human being is made in the image of God is a beautiful thing that I kind of lost that because uh, one of the earlier conversations we had together was about, um, I, I, it reminded me of inclusion. So I'm a very inclusive person. I find inclusivity comes easy to me. And there's this, there's a whole, I'm, I'm going on a little bit of a tangent, but there's a reason. There's, a, there's this thing called Gallup strength finders and like, what are your strengths? And every human has strengths and they, they have a framework of 34 strengths. Okay. So one of them's harmony, which is my 34th. That's my weakest strength is harmony. So, so, so that explains like, gee, Michael, why do people think you're contentious and contrarian? Well, because you don't really care about being harmonious, you know? And so I could get depressed about that, or I can embrace that as, well, that's who I am. It's kind of my life experience have shaped me that way. The contrary thing is my number two strength. So like way at the top is inclusivity. So when I always reach out to the people that are on the, on the fringes of a church group, you know, I'm kind of like, who's not being involved, who feels left out. That's just the way I kind of God made me that way. And so for every listener, I'm not, this is who I am. That's not who you are. You have your own unique 
strengths. So every listener has their thing, but I really love being aware that I like to include people. And that's one of the reasons I have with denominational problems. And, and I don't like reformation thinking because now in the United States, there's like, I don't know, there's hundreds of denominations. And it's like, did Jesus really die on the cross so that we could have all these organizations? You know, is that really the, the, the goal here? And I'm, and I, it may sound like I'm ecumenical, which I'm not. I just, I just want every organization to be humble, you know, and just say, Hey, we represent the message of Jesus Christ dying on the cross, which is amazing and resurrection, which is amazing. Right. But we don't own it exclusively. Right. Cause I'm an includer and I can't stand organizations that give this impression that they're exclusive. Like they have it all figured out. And and so that's just who I am. And that's how, and, and, it, and people that are harmonious, like some, there's probably someone listening that's their number one strength is harmony. And they probably are great in their organization of trying to like be sensitive to everybody and, you know, shape the message that we're all get along and things. Right. And then I come along and I just bust through that. And like, I don't care about harmony, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm still a child of God. I'm just different. I'm more like, I guess I'm more like Paul ready to oppose everybody to their face for, you know, Paul didn't say Peter was going to hell because he, he hung out with the Jews instead of the Gentiles. He just like got pissed off at him. So, so many churches, they're like way too sensitive about, you know, they don't want conflict because they're so focused on harmony. There's someone told me about this thing called crab mentality, which I love this concept. So if you take a bucket of crabs and you, yeah, and they're they're on the beach and you just throw, I don't know, 10 or 12 crabs in there. One of the crabs will try to crawl out of the bucket. But crab mentality is the, the crabs at the bottom are pulling the, the crab back in. So there's it, you can you can Google this or YouTube videos on this. But it, it to me, that's like church denominations. You're United Methodist, you're a Presbyterian, you're a Southern Baptist, you're a Roman Catholic. Stay in the bucket. Just stay in the bucket. We have an organization that's going to pull you back in. And it's like, where's the freedom? Where's the abundant life? Where's the, the real, the underlying message that all these individual buckets. So, I, so visualize like, you know, a thousand buckets on the beach with all these crabs in them. And every one of the buckets is pulling the crabs in when God wants us to be out on the beach and be free. And I don't, I don't know if that connects with you or. I, I do like that um, as an image. You know, one of the things that we, we've, um, we've, Steve and I have spoken a lot here is the, is the sense that there's a, there's an underlying paradigm that makes doing church the primary activity. And I think in some ways, you know, the Reformation takes place in the context of the, a, a particular understanding of the institution of the church going back to to Christendom rather than back to the, to the foundations. And so in some ways to try to peel back those layers and to read the Bible for what it is like, you know, like, uh, like your discovery has been, and to, in a sense, read it as it's unfolding historically and develop that as a lens and to think it through from that perspective, it's actually pre-institutional church, you know, and it's definitely pre um you know, Catholicism during the period of Christendom, you know, and, and, you know, reformed churches and Protestantism as a whole, you know, th that's largely the lens through which we, we read the Bible. And those are the lens through which the, the institutions look at, because when they, they see Christ 
giving the the spirit, you know, the Acts chapter two thing and all that kind of stuff. It all comes back down to the church and the institution of the church and us making church planting and doing church primary. And I think in some ways that that brings us all back to the sense of frustration because you can do it for so long before you start seeing that there's a lot of holes to it, that the, the doing church propaganda doesn't measure up to what it's saying it's doing. You know, the, the, the preaching doesn't necessarily affect change. The good works don't actually change the world, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, um, the language of the salt and light, you know, none of that really hangs true when it hits the, 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 the test of reality or the, or the test of public life. You know, you've got to withdraw into the subculture for that kind of stuff to stand out and, you know, rise to prominence and for us to feel, oh, yes, the church is something in that sense. And so the minute we, 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 we do start digging into that, we end up with that, that, that tension where the primary paradigm of the faith, the primary thing that defines the faith is, is the sense of the scriptures and the tradition. But, but when you dig into the, the nuts and bolts, the activity of what's going on, it's doing church. Doing church is about doing church discipleship is about getting people to do church <laughs> primarily and secondary the single doing church is supposed to then net certain results in your life which we call the fruits of the spirit or your love for others and that kind of thing but i i i, I don't feel like there's that one-to-one relationship between doing church and the faith and the effect in people's lives and i think that's 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 kind of like what you're hinting at as well you know that there's a there's a there's a face-to-face discovery of God as a person, and I'd love to get more into your experience around that because I feel like when I poke at it, it, it comes back to doing church and reading the Bible. I, I don't know. I kind of feel like am I on my am I, am I I'm, uh, excuse me am I on my own out here? Right? I, it's like I'm reminded of Elijah where he gets I think it's Elijah that gets frustrated and he and he says to God something like, "Well, I'm the only one." that's got it figured out. And God goes, no, there's 7,000 people that haven't <laughs> bowed the knee to, to uh, bail. So there's, there's a temptation in trying to like being hip and like, I, you know, I don't have it figured out as I'm, cause it's, to me, it's all the Holy spirit, which no one can really control the Holy spirit. But I, I want to, one thought comes to mind is I really love that, that John's gospel in 21 and, and so many messages have been preached about Peter, you know, denying Christ three times. And then Peter is restored, you know, three times. And Jesus asks, you know, do you love me three times? So a pastor can preach on that for 30 minutes. Boom. End of the sermon. The takeaway is no matter what you've done, you know, God loves you and forgives you. Right. But me, Michael Ward, I don't like that. Cause I'm like, wait, wait a minute. That's not really the end of the story. Is it? Is that, is that, is that, are we really going to stop this message right here? Cause like you sit there for 30 minutes and, and, and all the listeners, if you go to church and you listen to a minister preach on like, let's say five or six verses, read the ones before, read the ones after get the context. And I love the context of, of uh, Peter, because what happens right after that is Jesus says, Hey, uh, by the way, Peter, when you get older, you're going to like, you know, be really old and people are going to lead you around where you don't want to go. And, and, um, and it's just, you know, that's how your life's going to be, Peter. And then Peter says to Jesus, well, what about John? What's going to happen to him? <laughs> and, and so here Jesus responds and I think it's a rebuke. And he says, well, what is that to you? You follow me. And that hit me. And it was such a beautiful visualization 
that here John is writing this gospel and uh, he, you know, this is how he ends his gospels with this situation. So yeah, he was restored, but immediately he sticks his foot in his mouth and is asking Jesus about what's going to happen to John. And, and John, John's writing it down. He's like, I'm not missing this when I write this down. And, and then on top of it, the very last thing that John says is, oh, by the way, Jesus did so many things. There's so many stories. We couldn't fill the books with all the things that Jesus said and done. But I included this story about Peter. <laughs> and, and, and so there, that's where I kind of see this dynamic of the disciples aren't all harmonious, fit in a mold and are just are following. And, and that's how I think the church presents a message. Sometimes they don't maybe... They maybe don't intend it to be that way, but they really seem to like want to shape us into a very specific mold of especially behavior and doing things right. So that's where I really love the, the just being an outlier. So I'm, I'm an includer. I love to include people. There's going to be harmonious people in the church that probably won't like me because I'm trying to include everybody, but that's okay. And so there's this tension that we'll never get over because isn't the message of the Bible too that you know, we, this is a mystery. Paul talks about it. And then, and I go back to first Corinthians 13. He it's like, I, he, it's a mystery. I don't know. But when I die and I'm face to face with God, then I'll fully know as I'm fully known now by God. So maybe because we're apologetic and we try to have the right answer for everything, we we're ignoring that this faith is really a mystery in many ways. Michael, yeah, I'd love to jump in there. I wanted to just I'm going to try and take a stab at something and then I'd love for you just to comment. I'm, I'm sort of picking up on, on some of the story you're telling there about so Jesus, Peter and, and John, right? And some of the interaction and, and some of what I, what I think I sense I'm getting from you around the tie with that. And so like harmony, you know, in, in the group is not necessarily the ultimate priority around everyone being the same at least. And then I tie that into kind of that, that crab bucket picture that I think you, you put together so well of this idea of just kind of stay in your lane, stay in the hole, stay in the bucket, stay here. You know, we're just going to, we're going to keep being the same, doing the same thing over and over again. And I wanted to come back to that, that picture that you started to paint of, of being at the restaurant. So you said, you know, go somewhere for breakfast. And there was the starting of an opening of kind of an experience there. And you're there and you say, God is there. And, and then a couple of statements around being aware of, um, you know, people around you are all children of God, you're a child of God, etc. Um, and I thought I'd, I'd give you a sense of what it would be like for me in the restaurant. And so in, in for the for the sake of exploring, because, you know, I mean, to our listener, if you haven't picked up on this yet, Tim and Michael and I are meeting each other for the first time in this recording. And so we're still getting to know each other a little. And so I thought, let's take some temperature and see, see where, we, where we kind of sit on this as we talk about the personhood of God. My goodness, some of that might be just a little all over the show, but I'm going to try, <laughs> I'm going to try and pull it together in a helpful way. So, so some of what I'm, what I'm interested in, in terms of reflecting on whether, whether we're landing in a similar space kind of around the personhood of God and, and how you're speaking of the Holy Spirit. If I picture myself next to you in the restaurant and I'm saying to myself similar things, God is here, I'm a child of God and I, and I, and I see the people around me as a child of God. My sort of present tense departure point is, is less 
kind of within fruits of the spirit realm, although that's not unimportant, and less within kind of sort of scriptural stories, although that's also not unimportant, but more sort of present tense, okay, God, if you're here, Holy Spirit, if you're here as a person, as a being, and I understand person is a little bit loaded, so I would say person with a capital P, just to be a little bit more careful. And what are you, what are you saying to me right now, Holy Spirit, that I may not need to find a, you know, a biblical passage or a biblical story or whatever to, to resonate with for, for me to get a sense of it, but I've got a sense of, of how you speak, how you work, how you're active. What are you saying to me right now? Are you speaking something to me in this place? Are you speaking something to me about a person in this place? And there I would differentiate a little bit between kind of Holy Spirit, are you at work here? And, and would you let me in on what you're working on? Or let me be a part of what you're working on? And I would differentiate that as kind of the work of the Holy Spirit sort of generally in that geographical area. And then the, the personal intimate, perhaps you're just here to say something to me at breakfast, like, I'm, re I'm really glad you like your eggs. So I was, I'm glad to provide eggs for you. <laughs> That's a stupid example, but I'm trying to think of something personal. Um, and I'm just interested in, in, in your commentary around that, because, you know, some of, some of my experiences, I think of the crab bucket, et cetera, that you're talking about, and some of the, the agitation things that, that I, was, I was sort of picking up with what you're talking about around church. And I think of my own journey. I think when I want to get out of that crab bucket, I, I want to be formed by the Holy Spirit. I want to grow in character. I want to, you know, my, my, one of my major frameworks is, is Jesus. And so I want to become more and more like Jesus. But more than that, I want to know God here and now, first person, present tense, and, and know God as God draws near, as God speaks, as God acts, etc. And, and I just wondered if I painted it that way. I'm just fascinated by, by any commentary on that or where, where, where do you land in terms of that paradigm as I kind of set it out like that? Is it similar to, to where you're aiming at around your, your thoughts around the Holy Spirit, walking with the Holy Spirit? Would you say that we're in slightly different spaces? Yeah, I, th I think we're really close, but I, and, and it's like, I don't even know what that means to be close, but uh, I, I'm hearing you and, I, and my reaction isn't, I'm hearing you. I'm not having any kind of reaction like, oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the answer to that is. So I, all I can do is kind of paint the picture of my experience this morning. I was by myself. So definitely if, if I go to a restaurant, I'm with someone, my attention and focus is on the person I'm with and whatever I can do to interact with them. And so, but this time I was by myself and I just started picturing my surroundings. And coincidentally, it was right across the street from this Roman Catholic high school. It's a big deal in Phoenix. It's called Brophy. And I was like, oh, this is Brophy. Because I, I hadn't been here before. I'm looking at Brophy. And I'm thinking, I honestly thought to myself, I have some strange ideas. I'm like, maybe I should go to the church and offer to teach a class on uh, the Reformation. You know? so, <laughs> and, but that's, that's just the kind of guy I am, right? And then I, and then I thought, wait. You know, most of these men, they're, they're young boys that go to the school. Uh, they they have all these priests as uh, teachers for the most part, right? And I I thought, oh, there's an added benefit to having to hiring me to teach, you know, and uh, the Reformation because I 
I know what sex is like, you know, I just, this, this, you know, like I can, I can talk to 16 to 17 year olds about sex in a real way that a priest probably can't anyways, big diversion there guys. So, <laughs> but, but that, but the, the restaurant wasn't that uh, full, I think it's cause school's not in session. So they probably had, you know, during the school year, the, the restaurant's probably packed, but for whatever reason I'm there and I, I'm just, okay, walking in the spirit. How can I do think of the love? How can I be love and full of joy? Now, you know, I can't, it's, it's like whatever's going on in my head probably in fact affects my expressions and my facial expressions. I'm by myself. Right. So I'm not, I'm not like, Oh, I'm not saying, Lord, I've got to have this like amazing smile so that people will just like, you know, praise the Lord that Michael is filled with the Holy spirit. I don't think that way. You know, I just, so I just, I'm just living and I'm appreciating and I, my brain is active. Right. And with my dad dying is, 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 uh, I don't know if the listener or you, it's, it's amazing to see someone that has passed away. It sounds terrible. Right. But I looked at my dad's body the next day and it's like, the spirit is gone. You know, it's like, it's real. Like I looked at this body for my whole life where he was filled with life, you know, breath. Right. And, and now it's gone. And it's like, I just see this body and it's, it didn't scare me like, oh my gosh, it's a dead body. It was, it was this opportunity for me, God given, I believe that, you know, I could see my, my, my dad's dead body. And it's like not there. And recently I've been doing these learning about meditation and I, and probably every listener has heard something, either yoga or meditation. And they say, okay, take a deep breath, you know, inhale this life force or whatever. Right. And exhale through your mouth. Right. And so, so having seen my dad's, you know, dead body, I do, I see like, you know what, it's true. Life is in the breath. And, and so many times, and, and from a theological biblical Christian point of view, it's like, sometimes it's just slowing down and taking little thoughts like breathing and going, what a gift. You know I mean? I mean, this, the, and, and so my dad passed away. Um, I didn't really want to go into too much depth, but my wife actually passed away last year. So I saw another person that passed away. And, and usually the response is like, oh, I'm so sorry that your wife passed away. But I, my, my wife had a different departure. She had fought cancer, but she was so much more confident, like where my dad was saying, oh, I hope I did enough. You know, so <laughs> my wife was like, okay, I'll see you on the other side. Right. So my wife gave us a great gift, the whole family of being confident that we are eternal beings. And I think we lose that so much, even in church, because we're always trying to be so right and have the right thing. We get caught up in the moment and we don't realize, you know, the message here, folks, is we don't live forever. This 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 podcast and our time that we can talk together and you guys are in South Africa and I'm in Phoenix is pretty strange, actually, when you think about it. But this is our moment right now but this is not eternity. So um, I don't know why I drifted into that, but you guys, again, you guys ask amazing questions and really prompt your, your guests to come up with amazing comments. I don't know where I'm, where I'm going with this, but. Thanks, Michael. I think in, in, in terms of interacting just with your book and, and reading through it, uh, I think it's a, it's a really good, uh, I guess, approach for people looking to reorientate and ask themselves some questions in relation to 
to those texts. It's it, it's very reflective of the approach to scripture that we've we've had since about the 11th or 12th century, where we're placing scripture at the forward and 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 reading it and contextualizing it, starting with the the life of Jesus and then almost looking at it through the life through the window of of the life of the person window of the life of the author who they're interacting with what they're trying to communicate what they're resting with and 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 coming to an understanding of how when that world opens up for you you end up with a changed perspective you're reading on who god is as a person and what it means to live in this life for this life and for the people around us so i think from that point of view it's 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 definitely well with with reading and i like the way that you landed at that the the application of of the basic hermeneutic of read every verse in the context of the paragraph every paragraph in the context of the chapter you know and in fact just take away those chapter markers and headings and read the work as a whole even without that sense of how we've broken it down and try to give it some kind of external structure but, but but read it for what it is and read it in terms of process and see seeing it as a as, as the activity of God in history you know per, the post Jesus activity of God in history as opposed to just the in Jesus in historical Jesus or the Jesus of faith activity so from that point of view I I think I I really I really do like your work I think I think where where I'd have questions and where I'd want to poke at you a lot more is in the sense that I, I feel like you you come around to the sense that the spirit, although the spirit is a person, is still mystery, as opposed to there's a sense of okay I've I've read this, and my early experience and my reading of this is a starting point to enter more deeply, into into relation with someone who's increasingly present and increasingly distinct as a person, as opposed to you know the the mystery box. My response here would be it's. It's not a one and done thing. I think so much in church, you know, like come forward, ask Christ into your life, boom, one and done. And it's like, oh, you believe the gospel, so everything's gonna be fine now, right? And and I like, I don't really think that's the message of the gospel or the the scripture, right? So I mean, Paul got beat up, you know, and, and uh, stoned, and he got, you know, and and you know, as a side note. You know, sometimes I, I talk to some women and they hate Paul, right? So I mean, <laughs> a lot, a lot of women are like, "Oh, we don't like Paul because he says so many things that constrain women," right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, again, I, I mean, I think sadly, um, Paul quotes it with an agenda in mind, as opposed to read rightly in his historical context. But yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. <laughs> so, so what my my comment is like, well. Okay, let's look at what is going on with Paul. He's going around to these places. He's getting stoned, beat up, and he's probably like, "I don't think this is something that we should ask women to do this." Right? I mean, <laughs> uh, so that's one way I kind of dash around it. But and then the other thing is some of the things he says about women. Eh, for the context, the historical context, maybe it made sense back in the fifth, you know, fifty, sixty A.D. Um, and one thing I think we often forget in 2021 is like, we read, we, we have access to the scriptures so easily. And even, you know, it's only been five, 600 years, right. Since the Gutenberg press. Right. And, and so this technology and giving us access to the scriptures is really amazing. And uh, so, you know, I read. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think, I think certainly on the, on the, on the scale and the quality of, of texts and translations and offerings that are out there, it's, it's definitely quite a, quite a buffet in comparison to, 
people earlier in history. You know, if I if I think of the Rhineland mystics and the the twelve hundreds through the fifteen hundreds, you know, people had to, you know, they had to collect things and pin things themselves and pass them around. <laughs> and there, there, the big invention was actually just starting to to preach and teach in the language of the people, you know, as opposed to as opposed to sticking to Latin. Yeah, we, and we forget that. I mean, and and, and even First and Second Timothy, I have a little bit of issue with all the organizational structure of the church that Paul was laying out, and I. I often, with my contrarian, contentious way, is like, well, you kind of had to organize it that way because nobody could read anything. <laughs> so maybe we don't need such a strong structure like that. And that's where I'm, I feel like getting out of the bucket too. Like, I really want to be a free crab on the beach and enjoying, you know, the beach and not be in a bucket. So, so, and then the one and done, it, the walking in the Holy Spirit is a daily thing. And it's a moment by moment thing. So I don't have it mastered. I mean, I'm, I, it's, and, and it's okay not to have it mastered. Right. But unfortunately, so many messages we get in the church is that, okay, here's the apologetics, you know, the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Bible's this, we got the proof of that. And it's like, we, it, it becomes too much of an academic exercise and not a living faith, uh, whatever that means to say the word living faith. But um, that's, that's where I'm at. I think largely, you know, the Holy Spirit is one of those uh, magic brushes, in a sense, like theologically speaking at this level, because it's easy to say, let's reduce it to the Holy Spirit. And then and then the minute we try to prod towards that, it becomes the language of mystery or or, you know, or the sense that, yes, it's your individual walk. But what is that individual walk? And so and so, you know, we can often prod and poke and and go back to 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 a hinge point like that experience that you had when you were you were 16 and you're on the phone and there's something that happens there but there again we're looking at something it's a recollective experience i like i like the fact that you're pointing to the fact that that in our instant culture we we do imbibe this one and done thing and we're looking often for certain kind of measurement markers and relational stuff does elude that you know does does kind of like bend in and around that but but when it comes to the whole thing of going you know using the language of walking in the spirit or using the language of practicing the presence of god like i i I want to 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 push i would like to push you towards more of a definition on that because i don't feel like you land there in your in your book um and I, i was really hoping that you would land more on on that side than i felt you did when i read it i hope the what is that to you response by Jesus to Peter, to me, maybe I'm not, maybe that doesn't sink in a lot. But for me, I go back to what Rob Bell often asked, is, is Michael Ward, is he smoking what he's selling here? Right? So am I really, and I, and I have to ask myself that quite often, like, do I really believe or follow what's in my book? And I, I read some parts of my book just before this podcast. And I'm like, Hey, this stuff's not too bad. I was like, it's like, it's, I don't know if you've ever written a book before, but this is my first book. And it's like, I feel like I need to read my own book, you know? And, and, and I think one time I did read it a few months ago. And I was like, I, I got lost and like, who wrote this book? Oh, wait, Michael, you wrote this book. It, it was the strangest thing. But back to the, to Peter, I call it the witty whiffum because Americans always love these, uh, acronyms right so what is that to you you follow me that is like 
the smoke and what I'm selling, it's like, I have to smoke that in, in walking in the spirit because I, I don't, nobody is going to be walking down the streets of Phoenix. Anybody listening right now, you know, whatever it is, you know, I, I got to live. And so this living God and the Holy spirit, it's, it's, it's making sense to me now in that I don't know what's going to happen today. It's May 27th. And I I've got to go do some activities this afternoon and you guys are in South Africa. So it's getting late in the evening for you. We all have our things to do and God is with us. And it is truly like um, Tim and Steve, you don't, you don't, you don't have to compare yourself to Michael Ward and go, Hey Jesus, well, why is Michael Ward doing that? It's like, Jesus is always going to say, what is that to you? You follow me. And the trick is, how are we going to follow him? Right. That, and, and I don't know how to answer that. Do, do you guys? <laughs> if I think back to the, to the 12 hanging out with Jesus, they had a clear idea of what it meant in the sense that is that Jesus models the work of the spirit in relation to them on his work and his relation to them. They would have certainly had a clearer understanding of what it meant together in those days. If you put them in the room and said, Hey, defined us, they'd have a lot of language in common. I feel like today, if we put, if you put 10 different people and who define themselves as Christian in a room and we go, what is this walking in the spirit thing? What is the practice of the presence of God? We're not easily going to arrive at an answer. You know, similarly, if you put, if we put the language of intimacy with God on the table, we're similarly not going to arrive at an answer that, that in some sense, there's something in our culture and our context and I think a lot of it goes back to the born again culture, which, which, um, you know, certainly as I, as I think back to the, to the language of my interactions with people o- over the years, who've been very sold on that, that born again idea, it, it, it almost goes hand in hand with an inability to define the voice of God, the presence of God, the activity of God. I very much, have experienced God as a as a as a distinct self-revealing person who actually steps forward and 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 who speaks and one can one can actually go into what is that experience like? What's it like to hear from God? What's it like to 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 do what Jesus, you know, when Jesus said, I, I only share what I hear the Father saying and I only do what I see the Father doing, there's clear language there that is very, is very relational, it's very participatory. I feel like in some ways, like what I, what, I, what I struggle with and one of the things that we are wrestling with in this as a, as a season wrestling towards is going, I, I, don't, I don't feel like the, the, it is so undefined, it's a mystery. What is it to you? What is it to me? Well, I can't tell you what it is to me. You can't really tell, you know, we can't arrive at common ground. Like that, th- that for me hits a similar frustration box to what I feel with the church box and the preaching box and the believe and behavior in order to belong stuff, you know, I, and, and for me, it's not like, like I, my desire is to wrestle through that and wrestle towards some clarity with that. Because if I pick up someone like a brother Lawrence, you know, historically, or, you know, any of the, you know, French mystics in and around him, they have clear ideas of what practicing the presence of God means and what the expectation of that journey is for people, what the process of maturation is like, what the habits they expect to be instilled, what the character transformation is supposed to look like. And they're a lot more gracious with that over time. Their language of fruits is more a seasonal thing and it's more, it takes place over time of the soundness of 
you know, the habits of what you do to till the soil and water it, that's going to produce the fruits in the long run. I feel like when we use the language of that, we're not, we're not on the same page as them. And in some ways, I, I feel like I'm still, I'm still for myself trying to wrestle to the place where, where I'm, I'm more confident in my language around that, because I feel that, that as I, as I read the mystics in history, the, their language seems to be quite clear about it, you know, whether they talk about the greater and the lesser tears, or they, they talk about, um, you know, the inward journey or the, the separation between, um, um, you know, active contemplation and acquired experience on one hand, or, 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 or I don't think passive is the right word, but they talk about a, what becomes a waiting on God, a, a, an acceptance, a, a desire for God to meet in person. And they're the sense of the infused presence of God, which I think in scripture, we, we start picking up hints of that in terms of the manifest presence of God, God becoming tangibly present and God speaking in a very distinct way in the here and now someone goes I've had a vision I've heard from God um I, I see the spirits in that person God wants to heal that person you know etc cetera, etc cetera. I, I think that the language there is different and I feel like like our church culture has left us in a position where 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 the one part of our journey is wrestling away from the church culture and the other part of the journey that is still undefined that I think we're all but beginners on is the resting towards the language of, so what is this practice and what does it actually mean? Because I feel like on one hand, we become liberated from the institution, the church, and it's the beginning point of something that we still need to discover. What does it mean to walk in the spirit? Okay. What do we expect that to be? How do I work with someone else and school them in this walk? I feel like that aspect for me is is largely missing, you know, in our church as a, you know, just as a whole in church culture as a whole in Western Christianity. Well, maybe as I was listening to you, I was I was contemplating how this might, how I might respond to that, and um, I, I um, my thoughts are, maybe we try too hard, you know, maybe 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 we 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 have this idea of like performance and like how do we have this mystic spiritual walk in the spirit experience. And, and part of my visualization on that is, is like, I, I talked to my wife a couple of years ago. I said, you know, honey, I, there's Paul talks about either walking in the flesh or walking the spirit. So if you feel like I'm unkind, like if I do something and, and none of us, it's very hard to be very self-aware and observe our behavior, but in relationship with other people, I could say to my wife, well, if, if I'm unkind, just let me say, hey, I'm feeling like you're being unkind, Michael. And I, I could look at that and, and consider the situation and pause and say, well, I think you're right. And I can grow in being more kind. And my, my life experience was always believe the gospel, be born again, and boom, everything's fine. And I've, I've kind of switched to, you know what? I'm probably not the most kind person. I'm probably not the most loving person. I'm probably not the most joyful person. And I'm, I'm talking about the fruits of the spirit here. And so for me to grow is just to get a little bit better each day. And, and I, and this comparison, that's why I, I enjoy going back to Peter and he, you know, he says, what about John? And there's like this comparison thing going on right there. And, and Jesus is like, what's that to you? You follow me. And, and there's so much peace. I, 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 I grab onto that peace and that 
power of the relationship with God at that point and saying, yeah, Michael, you're not, you may not be the most outwardly joyful person, but you have some joy and you can grow in that. And, you know, you're going to, and of course I'm almost 60 now. So I know that if you're only 25 and listen to this podcast, you probably think you're going to live forever. Right. But, you know, eventually you'll be 60 Lord willing, and then you'll start having a little bit of change of mind and start seeing people die around you. And you start going, well, you know, this, this physical life is ending. So maybe I'll never achieve this perfect level of joy, but God doesn't, isn't looking for that. Right. Yeah. I, I think, I think I hear you. I, I think like for me, I feel, I feel like I'm poking into different terrain to you. And, you know, that's, 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 that's totally fine. It's, it says to me that there's, there's room for more, for more conversations. <laughs> I, I must say, I, I enjoy the sense of process that you, that you've captured and, and the sense of, of, of enabling people to put, I think their reading and their journey into a process for themselves as well. So in, in my group, I, I, I always say, I'm not teaching. I don't want to be a teacher. I want to coach people. And I, I make the analogy to going to the gym. So I, I'm not saying I have this thing figured out and I know how to interpret every passage of scripture. I'm saying the, there is God is alive and there's a Holy Spirit. Read the Bible, read the scriptures, let it do the lifting. So if anyone's done any kind of exercise program, the, the, the coach or per, the personal trainer, he doesn't lift the weights for you. You actually have to lift the weights. So one of my, my philosophies or way of approaching or communicating with other people is I, Michael Ward doesn't have it all figured out, but I'd say, do we have these scriptures? Let's figure them out and, and let's walk in the spirit. And that means you have to lift the weights. You have to do this. Michael, I'm not sure if that, that means you really have an answer for my question. My sort of final thought uh, here is yeah, as I said, I'm wondering whether you've already answered this, but I'm going to give it give it to you anyway in case there's anything else you want to share. What's um what's what's your hope for for the book? What are you what are you hoping that this will will offer people? I haven't been able to dig into the to your book yet myself. I'm still to get there. Um, Tim and I sometimes take it in turns with guests to be able to read the literature coming into the actual conversations. So I must go and catch up. But in, in that case, it'll actually even help me a bit more when I, when I read it. What's, uh, what's your hope of what it's going to offer to people in terms of their journey? Um, because it sounds very much to be a, a piece of literature that partners with people as they process further and perhaps even embrace some of the questions you were asking, some of the deconstruction dare i say i think that, that i'm hearing you talking about but also just some of the forward um momentum of growth um you know into new space new territory etc um yeah i'd love to get some some final thoughts there around that yeah so i'm a new writer a new experience and near i did a first draft and it was more ranting <laughs> and, and forgive me that sounds so familiar <laughs> and it was it was more critical. Right. And then I realized, and then I got some feedback from the editors and, and I, I, I stumbled on uh, some like, like idea that if someone picks up a book, you want to offer the reader a transformation. So my first draft was not offering the reader any kind of transformation. It was basically, Hey, I've seen these things and I think they're not right. 
what do you, you know, what do you think? Like, aren't I, aren't I smart? Cause I saw, I, I can poke holes in this thing. Right. So, so, so fortunately I think this book will offer the reader a transformation. And by that, I mean, how do we, we, we and, and like when I was writing this book, the, the, the people advising me is like, well, Michael, a book is not for everybody. There's 8 billion people on the planet. Your book, you can't write a book for 8 billion people. So you got to kind of know your audience. So I think my audience is pretty much your, your, your Christian people that go to church faithfully. They have a high respect for the scriptures and they, they keep going and they keep listening to sermons. They listen to podcasts and they really desire to, to this more thing. Right. And, and uh, my, my suggestion or the offer of the transformation is to figure out, start asking yourself, am I walking in the spirit? Am I producing fruit of love? And we, we didn't talk much about this at all, but there are gifts of the spirit, which are more um, like prophecy or teaching or um, pastoring and things. And so those are real gifts as well. And, and I, I think I focus more on, the personal behavior and our relationships and not so much the vocational things. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's starting to, it's, it's saying, Hey, you're reading the Bible. Anyway, you're going, listening to sermons, try to get an overview and what's the big picture message here. And, and I think it's about loving people and relationships and that we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to be, you know, the goal isn't to have less sin. I mean, I, I'm kind of going through that phase now is, is the goal in life to like have less sin, you know, in your life and, and, uh, be, be top performing. And there, for me, that's a personal struggle. Like, well, I always thought for the last 40 years, it's kind of like, well, it seems like the message of the church is come to church and listen to our messages. We're going to teach you and you'll end up at the, the, the end of the road is you will sin less. <laughs> and, then, and at this stage of my life, I'm like, that can't be really the objective here. Right. I mean, just to like become more holy. I mean, I know so many people will say we got to pursue holiness and, and I get that, but my, my view of holiness right now is I actually think sometimes that, you know, Jesus is at the right hand of God and I will think and say something to people that I think Jesus thinks is funny. Whereas the people that love harmony will probably not think it's so funny, but you know, I, I, I like, I like to think that Jesus gets a kick out of Michael Ward sometime with some of the things I say. Right. And, and it's not just what I say. It's like, I want to, and I guess getting into the spiritual gifts, I'm, I kind of, I kind of feel almost prophetic in a way but I don't like saying that I'm prophetic because it sounds like you're predicting the future and I'm not, I don't see, I don't use the word prophetic in the predicting the future thing, but I, I see prophetic as more of, I'm saying, th I want to say things that people seem like they don't want to hear. Right. Like, and, and I don't do it just for fun, but I actually feel like God wants me to, to point some things out and it just like acts 18 and 19. I think our church is really good at teaching accurately about Jesus, you know, no one will argue with that. Oh yeah. We're super accurate on Jesus. But then it's like, well, do we really, are we really loving to people around us or are we trying to perform and be less sinful? And that's the goal is to be, to be less sinful and be accurate about Jesus. And, 
and so that's where my my prophetic leaning is. I'm not, I mean, I'm not I'm not a Pentecostal. I'm not. I don't like all these buckets, right? Because to me, Pentecostals are just another bucket on the beach with a bunch of crabs in it. And um, so, yeah, I want to get out on the beach with, and I want all the crabs to get out of their buckets and live life to the fullest. And, and I, I think I better pause there. No, that's fantastic. Thank you. I mean, that that's really helpful in terms of background and intention. Yeah, Michael, I, I, you know, I want to say thank you for taking the the time to 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 connect and uh, you know, and for putting yourself forward. It's, um, you know, it's it's a monumental achievement to write a book at any stage of life, and you've done you've done well. You know, what 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 I'll do is is I'll link uh, the Amazon uh, link uh, just in the show notes as well. Just so that uh, readers uh, can access it and 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 pick it up, um, you know, I I must say I particularly like the the emphasis on on transformation over reformation um, because I think I think the historical event of the reformation is one of the things that we often look back to as a pivotal marker, and yet none of us were alive in, none of us lived within that world. We live within a very different world today. You know, and and the challenge the challenge is always what is spiritual development, what is spiritual growth, and the general consensus is is really that it's it's this this slow gradual character transformation towards Christ likeness. You know, over a lifetime, you know, it's a whole formative relational developmental process, and um, and there's there's certainly a lot in common between what you've written. And a number of other people are, that are that are out there, you know, whether it's the the Fosters or the Willards or the Fenters or any of those, you know, they they you know we everyone's fishing in the same pond and pointing towards the same thing at that level, and it's it's very good stuff. Well, hey, I'm really honored to be on your podcast. I think your podcast is fantastic, and it's it's the questions and the depth you go into. It's wonderful. Thank you for having me on. Thank you so much for joining us, Michael. We really appreciate your time and your willingness to, to go in those directions and answer the questions and give the feedback and the comments that you did around what we're talking about. So, yeah, thank you very much for looking us up and uh, coming to join us in conversation. It's been great meeting you. Yeah, Michael, thanks. Thanks. Thanks very much. Really appreciate the time and really appreciate the conversation. 